You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome to this episode of Hoop and Holler. I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgivings. Um, I know I did. I don't know where I was can going. We talk, can we talk about the duck real quick? What? The turkey duck debate that you keep on Turkey duck? Up. Oh, yeah, because I like our family has done duck for the last two duck years. Duck is fire, though. I'm not even going to lie. I've never had duck. And I'm like, and I'm Chinese, you know, like we, we, we do duck. Like it's, that, it's, it's like super, I, I guess you could explain it since you have it more often than I do, all, but like, it's like super like first soft. All, I think people need to pre- stop pretending that they like turkey. Big facts. Turkey's but good. It's but, not but, good. But, but it's only good, and we, we talked about it last year. My, this is the second year my dad fried the turkey. Deep fry that. Oh Ooh, my yeah, God, bro. Yeah. I'm not even lying, bro. And I'm one of those people who like, you can even give me a, a, a not dry turkey like that that's pretty moist and I'm still not like eh mm-hmm. about it. But fried turkey, bro. Deep fried turkey goes. Oh my god, bro. If you if you're baking it, get that shit out my. Okay, I'll be bro. honest. I haven't I haven't had deep fried and turkey. Wait till you try. And, now Eddie's thinking deep fried duck right now. He's like, what if I deep fried the duck with that? No, and, and also let me just tell you this. There's an. Did you deep uh, fried duck? There's a you could probably yeah. There, there's a Salvadorian um, recipe that you know my my girlfriend's from my girlfriend's family's from El Salvador, and um, they put it in like almost like it's not as simple as a turkey sandwich but they make like a special sauce with it bro oh my god and i'm I'm telling you this is coming from a person who don't really like turkey Mm -hmm. and i'm telling you bro like it 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 goes crazy it goes crazy but i gotta have my ham i gotta have my i usually have lamb too on thanksgiving a lot of meats it's just like it's so high maintenance and I know, like you say, when you deep fry, it's not dry, but like, man, it's just like no. It's, it's, it goes no, it's, it's not even really the deep frying process that makes it not dry. Here's what you do: you, you get like an injector the night before, mm-hmm. and you literally stab it, and you're injecting all over the turkey, so the juices, and you leave it in overnight, right? And the next morning, it's a lot more moist than because yeah, turkey's naturally dry, but mm-hmm. I feel like most meat, maybe not all meat, but I feel like most meat is like not gonna be dry if you don't season it right, or it's gonna be dry if you don't season it right. But turkey, man. You do it right. It goes crazy. It goes crazy. Yeah, I gotta lie. Hmm. I'm sure duck has its merits. Duck is quite good. I've never had it. I, I also had green bean casserole. What else do you have? Oh, that's I don't. I had green bean casserole. You yeah. had green bean casserole? Yep. For real? It's fire. I've never had green bean casserole. It doesn't sound good. Yeah. It's so good. Anything with casserole on it, I'm not gonna lie. So good. Our, our Thanksgiving is very um, how do I put it? Mixed race. I had a sweet potato casserole too. Like. I mean, we that did we didn't good. do like mashed potatoes, but we did like we did like mashed. How do I put it? We didn't do mashed potatoes, but we took potatoes, boiled them, like and then baked them in the duck fat that we used to make the duck. That sounds, that sounds insane. Really it's really good. 
Um, that sounds insane. And then we do like a we do like a rice stuffing, so it's just sticky rice with like some of the. I love sticky stuff. rice. Anyways, but I feel like we're going on too long <laughs> about food. <laughs> I'm hungry, bro. Shit, <laughs> I can talk forever about food. You guys, I know y'all so, too yeah, can. Yeah, y'all too can for real, bro. I know Julio. You can talk about food. Yeah, Man. but let's talk about basketball specifically. The best matchup in the NBA right now: Warriors Suns. They played on Tuesday, and they'll play again tonight. By the time you hear this episode, they'll probably already have played. Um, but the Suns winner of 18 straight now going on 19 versus the 19 and three Warriors, I think, but by far the two best teams by record in the league, a premier matchup, you know, a lot of chess moves, a lot of strategic things, a lot of firepower, solid defense, you know, um, playing as a team on a string, all of that. I'm wondering if you guys watched the Tuesday game and have some takeaways about where each team is at and then potentially if this team, if these teams meet in the playoffs, how you kind of see it going. I mean, the biggest thing for me, particularly early in the game, um, was DeAndre Ayton's dominance in the post. Like, they, the Warriors did not have an answer. Kevon Looney, like, for all of the positive qualities that that he brings to the table in terms of hustle and grit and, and mobility, um, defending pick and rolls, like he's not the most vertical player. And when you have a guy like Aiton who can jump really high and is seven feet tall, like it, it was basically barbecue chicken down there all night long. Like yeah, hook shots, you know, offensive rebounds. Can't stop talking about food. Yeah, I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, like DeAndre Aiton was definitely cooked. I was going to say cooking, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry, man. Give me some food. Um, no, he was... He, he was why, why did I feel inclined to say he was eating on y'all, bro? He was feasting. He, he was, was feasting, bro. <laughs> no, DeAndre Ayton made a bunch of turkeys out of y'all. No. Like, yeah, he was, he was very good. And for me, the answer then becomes not necessarily like if James Wiseman is the guy who, you know, ultimately steps in and stops all that because I don't think he's ready for that yet. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say No, were. yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> like, James Wiseman still has not had enough game reps at a high level for him to be prepared to take on a guy like Aiden, right? Mm-hmm. I think he can with time, but not right now. So the question almost becomes for me, if you're the Warriors and you know that's going to be somebody that you're going to have to see and defeat at one point in time, and it's that glaring of an issue for you, do you perhaps explore – seeing if one of these bigs out there might be able to be had, whether that's a Miles Turner. I, I thought of, like, maybe Onyeka Kongwu if, if the uh, Hawks already have Clint Capella or mm. maybe Clint Capella himself. Um, I'm not sure how that works out salary cap-wise, but you certainly need to have an answer for Aiton if you're going to see him in a seven-game series because we saw last playoffs, Aiton can get off. He can get off for real. So that was my biggest observation. But, see, it, it's I, – I don't want to say it's a double-edged sword – with with how the Warriors run their offense, you need a big that's very, uh, I guess, in tune with the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just feel like br- not bringing a guy off the street or, you know, just bringing someone who who's really not familiar with the system would maybe knock things off. And for me, if I'm playing Phoenix, I kind of want to – He he's good, and, and he did much better than what I thought he would do, especially last year in the playoffs when he played us. But if I want – if I'm playing against Phoenix – I want to bait him mm-hmm. as much as I can and, and make him shoot his turnaround jumpers at, from the free throw line, from the mid-range. That, that's what I want to do. Where, where he's most dominant is when he's playing as a – and I'm not calling him a role player, but when he's playing like as a role player, mm-hmm. dunking and catching lobs and doing all that, it, it's 
yes, he he's a pretty good post-up player. Yes, he's pretty strong. Yes, he can shoot. But that's not what they want to do ideally. So that's kind of what I want him to do. Well, we're not even talking about like mid-range here. We're talking about like simple duck-ins and hook shots, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just like I'm bigger and stronger. I get where yeah. I want in the post right now, and these are shots that I practice a thousand times a day, right? Like that—that's where they probably could have used like, uh, and I know you don't like this player, but Dwight, mm. yeah. maybe for a few minutes. Well, see, the there. way I see it is, the Warriors I think weren't ready for the physicality of the Suns as a team on Tuesday, and especially for Aiton, um, and defending him, you saw that he got deep in the post a lot, like four feet from the basket, five feet from the basket. Who's Draymond guarding? He, he was Draymond was guarding Paul, right? Chris Paul, so that when they ran when they ran pick and rolls with Aiton, he could switch on to Aiton. But I just think like team wide, they weren't ready to be physical, and that's why DeAndre Aiton, instead of being eight feet from the basket, he was five feet from the basket where he could mm-hmm. just do a baby hook. Um, I think the remedy is pretty simple. If you can be physical with the Suns and get DeAndre Aiton out to the seven foot eight foot area, yep. and he wants to take those same shots, yep. the same hooks, turn turn around, fadeaway jumpers, yep. whatever. Like, I will live with that yep. all day. Um, considering how, per, and we talked about this last year, especially considering how, in my, like, in, in all of our minds, how perfectly constructed, almost perfectly constructed of a team the Suns are. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a, uh, like, I guess the modern-day Isaiah Thomas um, who just makes the right right decisions and just a really, really, really good lead point guard, a scoring, a score-first guard in D-Book, a, a dominant presence inside, and just three really, really good wing players uh, who can defend and play their role and, and shoot the three. So, um, I mean, considering that, that's what you want them to do. Yeah, but I think you're right, though, that Kevon Looney is not the answer. And in a seven-game series, I don't think he should be seeing a lot of minutes against like very physical bigs like Aiton. But the answer could potentially be Wiseman if you, know, you play him in like five, six-minute spurts. But I think the— I don't think he's ready for that. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, we could be surprised. We could be surprised. But I think the main answer is the Warriors have to go small. And they didn't really go small a lot in in, um, in Tuesday's game. And I don't know whether that was because Iguodala's it, out and they like playing Iguodala when they go small or Steve Kerr's trying to hold, you know, the cards back for a potential playoff series, like whatever yeah. it may be. They didn't really go small. And I still think that if you make Aiton play in space, which he's, which he's not bad at. He's right? not he's, bad, he's, yeah. He's pretty no, he's fleet good. of foot at his size. Um, it's still a lot to keep up yep. with if you run Draymond at the five and he has to keep up with all those actions and all of that. Um, Especially if it's all dependent on Clay, not only on the offensive end, but how he looks defensively. Because mm-hmm. um, that's that's another added component, on, on obviously, on the defensive end. Yeah. I, I almost and, wonder if, you know, you look into if you do go small, right, and um, he's still killing you, you, you don't put him in a one-on-one matchup. And... I don't say this to mean that you come off, say, Jay Crowder and dare Jay Crowder to shoot so much as I mean you dare DeAndre Ayton to make the right decision with the ball Maybe. if he gets doubled because I'm not sure his game is there yet. So That's fair. Um, I would almost explore that, but I like the idea of going small and, and just kind of fighting fire with a different kind of fire, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a different fire. Yeah, and I think defensively is not the issue. Like the Suns ended up scoring about like a little more than 100, right, 110. Um, but defensively, I think the Warriors were fine. It was really on the other end where Steph had his worst shooting night Lamps. of his career. Um, it, okay, and the, and the but offense, he also struggled um, by himself. It's again like this is that boy Bridges think, came in. He said, "Let me go ahead and put these arms." He's on. He's a him. good defend. No, he's a really good defender. But 
I mean, Steph elite. struggled. Everybody like, struggled. But I bro. think this is this is why I say the Warriors weren't ready for the physicality because I think when you watch Steph in that game, he really was not ready for how under his skin they would play defense against him. And that starts with Mikhail Bridges, um, you know, chasing him around off the ball, and them they they played the Memphis defense against Steph. You know, they top locked all their off ball actions. Like they stopped. They didn't switch any of those screens. They prevented all actions going away from the basket. Um, and then, of course, Mikhail Bridges has like a seven-foot wingspan or whatever it is, and he's super disruptive against Steph. Um, and I think that that's that's the better question because the Suns are are legit defensively, and um, when when um, when the Suns shut down Steph Curry, then your options are sort of limited. Like you can get a thirty-point night from Jordan Poole, like you did, and I think he'll be really crucial in in many playoff series because he has that sort of skill. And you know, if Clay Thompson comes back healthy and in everything which he seems you gotta to be, be able to move back soon um you know that obviously adds a different element but i do think you know this the sun's defense is is uh really legit and it starts with mikhail bridges locking down steph curry yeah i mean, I mean it's again like the added component of i'm, I'm gonna bring up clay again he's got to be able to not only obviously his three-point shooting is going to be there but the him moving off the screen he doesn't move like steph does but still, that threat of moving him off the screen, that's going to open up so many things in the lane. And no, it's not that Draymond becomes a 30-point scorer at the rim. Is that it gives a, a, a free lane for Draymond to drive and then make decisions. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just going to add another component, depending on how Clay is. Yeah, I mean, we all, we all know the danger of a guy like, how do you pronounce it, Mikhail? Mikhail Bridges? Mikhail, I think, yeah. I don't it, know. Yeah. It's like bridges on the opposite end of the floor. He just got to sit there, right? But on the other end of the floor, he gets to expend all like a, like you said the Dylan Brooks conundrum, mm-hmm. right? Well, mm-hmm. actually, Dylan Brooks will expend. Did you know Julio? <laughs> Eddie heard me. Cause I was freaking yelling out there. Do you know Dylan Brooks is nineteenth in the NBA in usage rate? Wow. There are only eighteen players in the NBA. Maybe, who have more maybe, of a percentage of the offense than Dylan Brooks? Maybe that um, can can explain the point differential that Memphis has. Even though they won by seventy five the other night uh, yeah. against uh, OKC, there's still a minus one, or no, there's still uh, not a minus one. They're still in the mi- They're still in the negative. Yeah. Overall in the season, yeah. even with that seventy five point win. I mean that just that, point to me that just says when you lose you get your ass kicked yeah. type shit. Yeah, um, so th- they have like the most twenty five point losses in the league, and that shit just like they need another kind of ball handler type other I, than Ja. I, I can explain that for you. It is less about like uh, Dylan Brooks and more about I would say Ja Morant because to your point, it, that team goes as Ja goes, yeah. and if Ja goes out and he takes twenty five shots and he hits forty five percent and he puts up. 30 points and seven assists, right? That Memphis probably won that night. Yeah. If he doesn't, if he either makes less shots or takes less shots, Memphis probably lost that night. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really as simple as that. Um, I feel like we kind of got off topic here. You're talking about usage rate? Oh, yeah. Dylan Brooks. God. Lee. Oh, wow. And it's like, yeah. Point being, when you have a guy like Dylan Brooks or McCall Bridges who's going to put in that amount of effort and not necessarily have to expend it on the other end, um, that's what makes it really dangerous for Steph because his whole thing is I'm gonna tire you out, but if somebody doesn't really have, if they have legs under him, it, it's gonna be a really tough outing for him. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
I, I was really I think I think we had the conversation before the game even played out whether or not uh he would be able to see Steph and me hang with him and he definitely showed his worth. He showed his worth. Yeah. I didn't I really did not know Mikhail was that good at fighting around screens and, you know, playing Because he's so like long, that. bro. Like he's he's very like flimsy like, and never, can get around. He's never screen. giving me the perception of someone like Dylan Brooks, someone like KCP who who, you know, is really but see, like a, those the dudes, ugly theorem, bro. Those dudes, bring it back. <laughs> those dudes are just like fast and like quick. But, but like they it, play they play physical. Like they they play. I mean, there's different skin, ways you know? to get around screens. I, I, I'll say this from having played post against the women's basketball team here is like because I set a lot of screens in practice and I'd be like playing pickup wondering how like to get around screens as easy as they do in practice. And it's less about your physicality to fight through the screen and the angle that you take um, exactly. like leading up to mm -hmm. the screen. And if you have if you're a smart high IQ defender like McCall Bridges, like, you know, the sorts of angles you need to take to get around the screen, you know, five, ten feet out before you even hit the thing. So mm -hmm. um, if you have good anticipation and, and good instincts, um, it, it's it's easier to get around screens, which I think that's that's what you're it's also about. that you can recover. Yeah, like he's so I mean, long. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things about AD. Like he is quick for a big man, but it's when a guard gets by him, or Giannis too. When a guard gets by him, he's so damn long that he can block the shot. You know. Yeah. So I think so. Something that kind of like made me curious about Phoenix was that when Devin Booker left the game in the second quarter, mm -hmm. right, and Chris Paul was essentially handling like a hundred percent of the offense, the team kind of looked better. When Chris Paul was doing that, and I'm not saying like, oh, you know, don't play Devin Booker or whatever, but it's still, I don't want to say it surprises me. Like Chris Paul is maybe one of the best players ever in the NBA at handling a team, right? Like mm -hmm. playmaking for a team, leading a team. Mm -hmm. But just the execution that he is able to provide for the Suns on every single play, like 100% of the time, like he makes the right decision all the time. And I think... I remember saying this during the finals. If you're Milwaukee, if you're whoever playing the Suns, the only way to defend players like Chris Paul is to limit the amount of decisions he can make. Because if you present him with five decisions to make, he'll make the right one every single time. Mm -hmm. So what I sort of mean by that is, like, never help down from the corner, you know, to Chris Paul because he'll swing it to the corner for the open corner three. And you don't want open corner threes, especially with this Phoenix team that has good shooters. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to leave the paint open and then DeAndre Ayton gets, you know, like an easy shot, a dunk, a, a duck in, a baby hook, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think I tweeted this, that the Suns are like super solid and really, really good, but they're not quite special enough to be unstoppable. And I think that starts and ends with Chris Paul because Chris Paul is like so solid and he'll be really good and he I think single-handedly won Phoenix that game on Tuesday hmm. but you can also stop it because you can tell Chris Paul you can challenge him I want you to take Drop 30 30, on 30 I want you to take yeah. 30 shots and all those shots are going to be his like little fade like fade Mitty. away midi pick and roll thing money and he and he makes he makes them like money. he he makes them a lot but to me, when I think about teams that play the Suns, not only the Warriors, like that's your only, that's really your only option, right? Like you have to force CP and Devin Booker into taking these middies and prevent them from kicking out into better opportunistic shots, like the corner threes, like the open wing threes. I'm not gonna lie, like I I, I hear you, and I'm almost inclined to agree with you, You're but the idea money, of saying because like didn't Devin Booker and Chris Paul 
like we're gonna die by their mid range shots. Like those are the two most lethal. But like we can't we can't forget what happened in the finals though. And and of course the finals was eighty percent Giannis being special. Yeah. Right on on uh, on both ends, but particularly being unstoppable on offense. But once Milwaukee became disciplined on defense, said we're gonna give Devin Booker and Chris Paul all you can eat in the mid range. Just make it tough and prevent Crowder from getting off. Prevent Mikhail Bridges from getting off. That was when they were at their best. Y'all, and I, y'all got the y'all got the defenders Milwaukee had that, though. So that that's why that's why it's that's why it's scary. That's why you need Clay. But that's why I'm saying like Phoenix is so solid. But like outside of Devin Booker on some nights, they don't have anyone that's like really special, right? It's like their their team is just a collection, a machine of really solid parts, and you just have to force them and ask them to try to be special. And I mean, if, that, that's and, if like, they, and if they can't be special, then you know, like they might just win the championship. Yeah. But I feel like more likely than not, they don't have the tools to be special. I mean, that that's like the question of like, w- would you rather have no weakness and just be like super solid on all sides, or have a superstar just secret weapon like Steph and have a whole bunch not not a whole bunch of but like some holes in in parts of your team? So, but I, I think you're just. <clears throat> underestimating like CP on on that end, he's special on offense when he's going yeah, in the middle. But the thing is, would you rather have that or would you rather have Crowder <clears throat> and Bridges open threes? Because like, honestly, that- give me the crowd. Like, well, like Crowder, I, I would start betting on Crowder because like you know, two shots in, what type of night it is, right? He hits them too. It's like okay, can't give him that. But it's like gonna- every three he hits feels demoralizing. Right? Nah, to me, when I see CP hit hit a mid. A mid-range shot over AD that's fading away. Because to me, it's like, well, like, you you can have that, you know. It's like, bro. But it's like, if I'm not stopping him tonight. If CP3 is like snaking in the paint, and CP3 doesn't take layups, right? When he draws help, he draws help to like the short mid-range area. He draws the help, and then he kicks out to, uh, let's say the corner, and then Mikhail Bridges is wide open. Or let's say he kicks out to Jay Crowder in the wing. Corner corner defender has to rotate down, and then, you know, he kicks it to the corner. Now it's you know open corner three. You know, it feels like every of those open threes that they make that is generated by the attention Chris Paul or Devin Booker draws, it's really demoralizing because it's like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, mean, I feel like that's just how I, I, I how I see it. You brought up a really interesting point and one that's poignant in that, um, like, it, it demands asking certain players to be special. And maybe Chris Paul at this stage in his career isn't necessarily as special that he was when he was in his prime, say, when well, he was Well, I don't think he ever was special Chris Paul like he's a special player but he doesn't have special ability per se he's just like a mastermind chess player at basketball is how is how I see him whatever the case may be my, my point being like who am I going to ask to be special on a given night Chris Paul or Jay Crowder McCall Bridges I need you to be special from three I'm probably betting on that first and foremost, and if that falls through, then I'll, I'll defer to the CP3 option. But, like, we've seen just as up as Jay Crowder can get. It can also get real ugly from three with him, too. It's just, you know, what type of night is it? So, I don't know. I, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse to bring up an old-ism of this podcast. But I think that if you're defending that that Suns team, your best bet is to force the the open threes from Bridges and Crowder, hmm. and see if they're good. You, you got to dare them to make them. Yep, you got to dare them to make them. I don't know. I feel I I think the complete 
Because neither one of but, them are like it's not like it's Joe Harris out there. Well, no, and no, I, I totally understand Eddie too. It's it's not so much. How, how do I say this? To to me, it's more demoralizing when CP and D Booker just can't miss. But I see your point in that, as a player and as a fan, uh, uh, especially with how loud those freaking fans are, um, when everybody's on, that's when it feels like okay, tonight tonight's not mm-hmm. our night, and it's over. They, yeah. They're you know they're on and they're gonna win this game. I think just the final point about this. People talk a lot about how tiring it must be to defend the Warriors, right? Like having to be super attentive to Steph, having to defend all the ball movement, all the actions. Uh, but I mean, I think in the same ways, it's just as tiring to defend a team like the Suns, who move the ball and play so solid, like a hundred percent of the possessions, and you have to be on your toes and you know, be disciplined and make all the right decisions all the time. Like, you can't fall asleep. So, I don't yeah, know. I feel, no, I feel like people I feel, don't talk about that. Saying, like, make a mistake. And, I, like, if a team is going to punish you for making a mistake every time you make it, exactly. then that, that your does margin get of Your margin of error is is razor thin I when see, playing the Suns. I see your point. And that's why that's why they're so fun to watch. But, um, okay, let's move on. We talked about Devin Booker. He's not going to play tonight uh, a minor hamstring injury that he should be back soon from. But... A couple other lengthier injuries. Bam Adebayo might be out a month or so with a torn ligament in his hand. Michael Porter Jr. is out the entire year with another back problem. Who else am I missing? Um, Zion. Oh, yeah. Zion suffered a setback with his foot injury. Why don't you take... I'll take... I want to speak on MPJ and Zion. Okay. I'll take take MPJ. (laughs) No, I'll I'll, I'll speak on MPJ really quick. Okay, I'll speak on Zion. We we kind of addressed this before the news came out. Like, obviously, him dealing with disc problems, it's got to be his discs. And and so the surgery that they performed, um, just to keep it simple for you guys, is that when you have herniated disc, your discs are essentially bulging out of where they should be, out of the vertebrae and hitting nerves. And so that's what's hurting you. And so what they do is called a disectomy. They cut off that part of the disc that's uh, hitting the nerve. And essentially, you don't feel any any more pain, at least for a little bit. That's most of the time that's temporary. And so this, for, for the last two years, like two years, he's he been good, right? Like he, yeah. he's been playing well. Yeah. Pretty healthy. Dude. Pretty healthy. Um, for, for the last two years, I've been thinking like, damn, is he going to be good for, for like the for the rest of his career or is this thing going to pop up and let alone it pops up again. So these problems are going to start to occur a lot if he doesn't, if they don't like address the root of it, you can't just perform disectomies, uh, you know, over and over and over again and just expect to live a good life like after basketball. And obviously we're talking about basketball, but I am glad that he did, you know, sign his contract and get the money when he did and the extension when he did. The Nuggets don't have an out until the I think the third or the last year, last year. of the contract, and so he he getting his money one way or another. It's not like the Joel Embiid contract with the Sixers that the first extension where they were uh, the the Sixers were protected in all types of ways, um, but. Yeah, it sucks, man. Like that back pain, you you can't do nothing. It's not like it's a shoulder injury when you can still keep your your you know your stamina up and, and um, your conditioning high. It's it sucks, man. It de- it debilitates you, and he's probably gonna be out for the year. Like that's yeah. just the yeah. the truth of it. I mean, it is really crazy timing because he he performed really well last couple of years, especially at the end of last year. Earned himself the max with the potential to be a super max, and then you know like. 
it, it's almost like people forgot that he was this huge injury question mark, right? Like coming out of the yeah. draft, mm-hmm. he didn't play the whole first year. Everyone was like, well, you know, maybe he can be super special, but, you yeah. know, injuries. And then people forgot about it, and now it's bad. You got to get that money when you can, bro. True. I mean, yeah, I mean, he to to his credit, he played well enough while he was healthy yeah. to show. I mean, show why he was in conversation when he was coming out of high school to be the number one pick in that draft. Like Michael Porter Jr. is one of the most special basketball players to come out of high school that we've seen in True. a while. Like, yeah, where where did he go? I can't remember the name of the school he went to, but um, it was like watching him. It was Washington. Yeah. Brandon Roy coaches. Yeah, watching him play, it was just like, damn. You you saw all the tools necessary for him to be the next KD or whatever. Obviously, that's a little bit of an yeah. embellishment, but, like, you saw it, right? And, and, you know, for him to drop that far was indicative of, of people who have the level of expertise of, of Julio here, right, and knowing that that's an injury that, you know, eight, no. nine time, times out of ten, right, <laughs> is going to keep on coming back and is going to be – ultimately debilitating to the point where you're not going to be able to play like you want to Mm -hmm. um to talk about zion a bit so pretty much what happened like he had the off-season surgery he was supposed to be back by the season didn't end up being back by the season um lies like he's was it 24 games into the season something like that now he's still not back he was actually cleared for like full basketball activities he had his first full practice then he had some foot soreness so they dialed him back and they're going to try to ramp him back up um Oh, that's not that's not like a terrible setback. I think it's, they're hiding something. I mean, considering how they've handled this true. whole situation, yeah, man, that that's what I want to get into. But go. Yeah. Um. To your point, and you know, y'all know, I come on this podcast. I talk about it each time we talk about injuries. I hate the term injury prone. I hate it. Absolutely loathe the term. I think people misuse it. I think people don't understand what they're talking about when they say it. But when it comes to a circumstance like this, maybe it's a little bit applicable. And I think I'm, you know, as somebody who was really like dead set on Zion and I really wanted it for him because I feel like a lot of it just came down to the way he like looks aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people had this perception of him being injury prone, but maybe there actually is something there because when you have like th- this shit is down to a science, right? Like people do this sports medicine shit for a living. They know down to like damn near the day. You're going to be good by here. If we do this X, Y, and Z, you're on this schedule. You you do this rehab. You take these medications, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. you'll be ready by here. And when you keep pushing it back and back and back and back again, especially for a guy like Zion Williamson, who has this level of expectation to be, to be um, playing and, mm-hmm. and uh, like them struggling as much as they are, like you could chalk it up to um, an investment that they made in his future. But at a certain point, you have to ask the question, is he just not right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's starting to be where I'm settling in regards to Zion is that something's just not right with his foot because it's always his foot. It's always the foot and with him. If foot and knee, knee. and it, if I recall body. correctly, it's on the same leg, right? Yeah. I, I could Maybe, be tripping yeah. on that, but like, yeah. I don't remember. It, it's, um, it's concerning. It's certainly concerning. And, and it's not just – so – Injury prone, like like the the kind of words or, or phrases that come to mind when I think injury prone, I think of like your bones, your joints, your ligaments are kind of brittle and weak in by in in nature, right? It with him, it may be a little bit of that, but it's also, and I said it from the beginning, his weight is too much, bro. You can't be jumping like that man jumps. Like Derrick Rose, except you add a hundred pounds to 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 your joints and to your ligaments and to your muscles and 
into everything. He's so damn explosive. You you just can't possibly do that. And the thing with Zion is that ju- just like that crazy ass story, Paolo, what's his name? Benchero. He loses like pounds per game. Seven pounds of wa- really? water. Yeah, it's oh. just crazy per game, and he gets all cramped up. And he he may be you know ha- have a condition or be sick with something. I, I don't know. But Zion also sheds weight fast, but he also gains it so damn fat and when he got up from that press conference before the season i was like this man is not coming back in a week or or however long uh the season was out by then but what i wanted to get into was two things number one if you don't think that he's getting frustrated with this whole situation yeah I mean that you're just being very very it says it right here i'm reading an article it says williamson has been quote working his tail off to come back and is quote frustrated well, like, who's yeah. he, who does it say and who's he's frustrated with? Exactly. No, no. And not I'm frustrated. Not, I think and, just with the injury. Right? And I'm not saying – and that, that frustration with the injury, maybe that that is the real cr- cause of the frustration. But if you don't think he, he's putting a little bit of that frustration, that blame on the organization, on the whole handling of the situation, then you're, you're also fooling yourself. Yeah. Why? Because they said he – number one, they didn't even, like, like – tell anyone that he had uh, off-season surgery and so when it comes up in a random press conference before the season everybody makes headlines and blows it up and they were always going to blow it up but not but because you lied about it you made the fire even bigger mm-hmm. number two you put the expectation that he was going to come back before the end of this uh before the beginning of the season that didn't happen so people start talking about it more and making it seem like worse than what it is and it's already bad mm-hmm. so you're just making him as a player look even worse you're, you're just making his whole image just very very bad and it's not good for him it's not good for his uh, uh reputation as a player you know being on on the floor and it's it's just making him look bad they're they're, they're not handling the situation great and then the second thing that i wanted to bring up would you guys hold him out for the rest of the season knowing that they're playing horribly no no if he's healthy and he can go you, you, you gotta to put play. him out. You gotta put him out there. Plus, like you're just gonna alienate him, and he already seemingly doesn't like. I mean, he, his, his trust like, in that medical staff is already like might be. We might be getting dissipated. To, like, and, he, and, he, and he doesn't seem to trust the basketball operations. Oh, he's out of there. Staff. He's that, that's what I've been saying, bro. He's coming to Memphis. Have I mm-hmm. not been saying this man out of there? Yes. Yes. He's not fucking yes, staying have. in. He's not. He's not. I mean, I'm sorry, Cam, but he's not staying in well, New like, Orleans. I mean. Nah, Island. nah Island. he's not going to. He's not staying in New Orleans. Nah, it's, I was like, I the still want that damn good. I I want to watch him play. Is the question mark? Because like, especially with a foot injury and that has weight, like his weight and the foot injury is really, you know, like you never know. Like it, people said this about Joel Embiid for the first two years when he missed because he had the fractured foot. He not um, he not explosive like Zion, bro. True. true. So I mean, again. Before people start speculating about he's going to Madison Square Garden, he's going to New York, whatever. Like we we still have to make sure Zion is FedEx for him. Sure. What I mean, sure. But watch. We have to make sure Zion is like a a star player. Oh, he's certainly a star player. Like no, no, he showed it. He showed it so far. But I'm saying like, outside of just you know he gets hurt a lot. Like getting hurt a lot also impacts how you play, right? And. It's not only that he's missing time, but if he looks compromised when he's on the court coming back, especially after a foot fracture like that, that's a really tough injury. I mean, I don't know. Like, every, it, I still think it's crazy that after two years in the league, I think it was two years, there's reports that he wants to go elsewhere. Like, that's crazy. How, it's not like, crazy. How, it's not crazy at all. 
I would want to go elsewhere from the moment I, I, I got think drafted. From, I think from Eddie's vantage point, it's like, <laughs> why? If I'm an organization, I'm why would like, I want you? I'm Is just saying, like, saying? I've, no, I've only seen well, part, yeah, partially because like you have to prove yourself to be a commodity first. I don't think Zion has proven himself enough for teams to to think of him as a commodity, like a Bradley Beal that you want to be moved everywhere, like a Damian Lillard, like a. I don't know. Every other player. That I wouldn't trade out. for Zion. I would. I would. I would disagree. And I think you're almost taking the same sort of risk. It, not apples to apples, but that you take in drafting a guy like Michael Porter Jr. Where it's like, I see the talent when you're on the court. Zion's 25 and 11, or like 25, 12 rebounds, 61 percent from the field. Like, that's damn near a guarantee when it comes to. Well, the I'll dude. put it this way: If the Knicks had a max salary slot. Would you give max money to Zion they after, would, his, after they his, his rookie contract would is over? I give him max. Money? Would I? No. Well, not. I'm like, yes. would it make basketball sense? Like, if you're a GM, I if would trade Julius Randle. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies, and Zion Williamson wants to come to you, would you? Would you? Would you, would you, give would him you a max? trade? No, no. Would you trade? Yes. Uh, what? What's the big man's name? Jaron. I forget all these names. JJ Jaron. Dylan Brooks. Uh, Xavier Tillman. State. Um, slow mo. 40% from three. Uh, and Jr. three first-round picks. Run that back. But three, like, but three. I, I don't, like, it's not even this. It's <laughs> that, like, let's say after his rookie contract, after four years, Zion is like, even if you try to match my restricted they would definitely rights, max him I'm out. not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm if, not going to step foot in your facilities. If it's not for the play on the court, it's for this jersey should, sales. Should, should the Knicks, should Memphis, should whoever give Zion a max contract yeah. after four years? Just, like just like you were in the right to give MPJ the money that he was making, right? Because you see that much talent. And, like, it's certainly a risk because of the the the, the injury concerns that, you know, ha- have just kind of become increasingly more concerning over the course of his entire career. And there's still things that remain to be desired in terms of his on-the-court play, like defensively yeah, particularly. Yeah. But... There's no denying the upside when it comes to Zion Williamson. And if you're a team that's in need of an upside play, like the Memphis Grizzlies, like the New York Knicks, hands down you do it. Hands down you do it every time okay. because the 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 best case scenario is so enticing. I feel like we've never seen an upside play that has been as marketed as Zion is right now. An upside play that's been as marketed. Because like normally like, when like you have he's a, saying like, like normally have an upside play like, a like you know a team a team signs some dude who showed potential to like yeah. a, a mid level contract and all of a sudden like oh he's kind of good or like mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam all of a sudden blossoms into you know but it's like we're talking about Zion like he's already a bona fide star who has well it's the not it's not do. even like it's an upside play in like you're this seven foot you know incredible athlete but we got to teach you how to play basketball he's an incredible basketball player. Like there's never, there's never that's the one thing that's always been true of Zion Williamson from high school to Duke to the NBA. When he's on the floor, he's fucking incredible. He's fucking incredible, unstoppable force, fucking elite at the rim, great efficiency. He can like he can move the ball pretty well too. He can actually handle the thing in the pick and roll. Like he's a he's a I hesitate to use the word generational, but we've damn sure never seen anything like him, and we probably won't for a very long time, if ever again. That's why you make the gamble, is because Zion Williamson is that special of a caliber of player. Does he have his flaws? Sure, but every great player has their yeah. flaws, right? So I, I would estimate that like, if he, if he were 100% right now, Zion Williamson would be a consensus top 25 NBA player at 20, mm. what, 
one, two years old, right? Like, hmm. you make that gamble. I guess. I just feel like his stock, like maybe not even as a basketball in his basketball game, but just in the perception of him has fallen so far. Like, people hyped him up like the next greatest thing in the world, right, two years ago mm -hmm. uh, when he was drafted, when he got hurt initially and everyone was waiting on the edge of their seats for him to play in an NBA game. Now, like, is anyone on the edge of their seats waiting for him to come back on the floor? No, because that that's why I kind of hate the the sort of perceptions that have been framed around Zion Williamson at different stages in career, because a lot of it has been dominated by people who really don't know shit about basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the, 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 the high flying acrobatics of it. Right. When he was coming out of high school um, and even at Duke. Right. Just that how dominant he was at Duke um, and how dominant the team was. Um, but when you get to the NBA, he wasn't, you know, the same dude that was dunking on eighth graders at Spartanburg, right? He mm -hmm. was doing things that were, as I like to say, if you watch if you watch Zion Williams highlights, you're going to be enthralled. If you watch Zion Williams in over 48 minutes of a basketball game, it's pretty fucking boring, but it's really fucking good. Mm -hmm. And that's what people don't understand about Zion. So when he gets to the NBA, the sort of uh, appeal that accompanied uh, Zion Williamson dissipated because people began to catch wind of the fact that, oh, shit, he's really not that exciting of a player to watch at this level. Um, and then this sort of, like, memification of his weight, right, mm -hmm. like, ended up compounding this sort of injury-prone narrative that that has been um, perpetuated in regards to Zion. Like, people love to make fun of, like, oh, he's fat, he got bad knees, he walks weird. Like, it's not that simple. Like, are there hints of truth to it? Yeah, but it's a lot more, it's a lot less cut and dry than people are making it out to be. I like what Julio was saying, um, because it's a lot more nuanced than just simply he's 280 pounds and he jumps really high, and when he lands, it's going to hurt his knees. It's not that simple. Yeah. But it's dominated by a bunch of people who don't know shit about medicine, who don't know shit about physiology and i'm not gonna sit up here and act like i'm the fucking bio biology expert but it's like i don't know twitter people are weird yeah no 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 you're that. completely right i just i'm just thinking about his brand like it's it's hard to say his brand is nearly as big as it was oh no three years certainly. ago as an 18 19 year old certainly not but all right let's move on to this final little segment i have thought up about mm. um i'm gonna just mention a few teams in their records right now and then you guys can tell me if you think that it's indicative of where they're going to be at the end of the year, indicative of what their play has been and is going to be. Um, and let's start with the Sixers because it's kind of interesting to me. The Sixers are 11 and 11 right now, 500. No Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons probably is not going to play another game for them. Yeah. Um, they've had some injuries to Embiid, some injuries to uh, Tobias Harris. Um, I feel like they've had other injuries, but. That being said, no Ben Simmons really changes the outlook of this team. Even with Joel Embiid um, not being completely healthy, but you know, like missing games here and there, but not missing a, a, debil a debilitating amount of time. Do you think the Sixers are a 500-ish team? Yes, I think they're better than that. I like when I say 500-ish, you said ish, so. Maybe a little bit better. Like, how much better? I, I think that they're genuinely a team that you put them in a seven-game series with some of the East best. When we talk about the Heat, we talk about the Bucks, we talk about the Nets, they probably don't win it, but they certainly give them a more of a run for their money than a 500 record would indicate. I think they're that's the type of team that can really take you to six games just off, off sheer the will of Joel Embiid and how talented he is. And then a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who's been really damn good as a, the lead guard. Seth Curry just seems to get better every single year, always adds another wrinkle to his game. Um, and then Tobias Harris, you know, 
does Tobias Harris thing. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. But, like, mm -hmm. he's solid, right? So that's a lot of talent on that team. Do I particularly trust Doc Rivers? Not at this particular juncture. But I think that the talent on that team, like, gets you, um, like, in that secondary tier of Eastern Conference teams. When I hear 500-ish team, I, I hear... Like, do they win 50 like games? 40, like, I mean, 50 games? That's 50 and 33? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably where they're at. Well, they're, that's not a 500-ish team. Yeah, I mean, that's, what is that? Eight games, eight games over 500. Not that much. But, I mean, because normally, right, like when people, people usually like, if they set a goal for teams, like, oh, can they be like a 50-win team? Can they be a 500-ish team? I'm willing to go that they're, they'll be slightly under 50. That's 500-ish to me. Okay. I just think they're they're they have one special player. And, I guess maybe I'll frame it this way: Are they are they dangerous in the playoffs? No. Yes. Against like top level teams, no. Hmm. No. I I think that there are certain teams that a team like the Heat or a team excuse me a team like the Seventy Sixers pose matchup issues for specifically the, the Brooklyn Nets. Nets. The Nets, right? And right, James Harden has turned it around since like the the beginning of the year when he was really struggling. But you get into a playoff series, say he struggles a little bit, you know, it ends up falling on KD's shoulders to be the main driver of that offense, and you don't have an answer for Joel Embiid because you better believe that Brooklyn Nets team does not have an answer for Joel Embiid. <laughs> it could prove to be a little bit difficult. I'm not saying that that's the type of team that could oust the Brooklyn Nets, but you might see that series go six to seven games just because you have a matchup nightmare in, in – um, in Joel Embiid. Yeah. I mean, Philly was the number one seed in the East last year, and losing Ben Simmons is big, but I, I still think that, you know, all the other pieces are there, and some of them are better, like Maxie and Seth Curry. I don't know. I think I was surprised to see that they're at 500 because they started the year off really well. So, so. hot. And I, I thought that was kind of like a fallacy. Like, really? I, I mean, I still think they're, they, they they're couldn't behind. Have they're behind the top three, but they're still a threat for sure. I don't think, I don't think they're as bad as a 500 team. Um, how about Atlanta and Boston? I'll just give you both at the same time because they're both twelve and ten, right? Like mediocre right now. Do do we think they're mediocre by the time the year ends? Boston, yes. Atlanta, I, I think that they're still a young team, so they're going to be going through ebbs and flows where, you know, they they strike off, you know, a certain amount of wins, um, straight and and then go through some losses. They're still a young team. Their team, you have to admit. Is very injury prone. A bunch of those dudes, hmm. uh, maybe not injury prone, but those dudes tend to get hurt a lot. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are small nagging injuries that don't. They, they're not ACLs or MCLs, you know, big injuries like that. But like Danilo gets hurt a lot. DeAndre Hunter gets hurt a lot. Uh, Bogdan gets hurt a lot. Trey Young gets hurt. Trey Young, gets hurt. Big O, you know, he hasn't played this year yet. He just got cleared, right? Um, Capella so always has Capella. Yeah, he always got to get like a PRP injection. So it's like they're they're very injury prone. So and it's good that they are deep. So it's like they feel like they exchange when some dudes are healthy, other dudes are hurt, and they go in and out like a carousel. Um, so they'll pick it up. Boston, on the other hand. They're a fucking waste of my time. I don't. I don't know. They're just like so. They can be so much better, but I just. I they're, they're they're a frustrating watch for sure. Yeah. Um. And I don't even like like from Jason Tatum as a player. Like, I would think that I would really love him as a player, even Jalen Brown, because he's really picked it up on, on his offensive skills. But when I've watched him, it's like, 
that's horrible basketball. I, I just don't like to watch them yeah. play. And that's coming from because a dude who really likes like DeMar DeRozan. You know? there, there's a difference between guys who can make tough shots but do so with intention and guys who take and make tough shots and do so because I've dribbled myself into this like black hole where there's nothing else for me, right? Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum's a tough shot maker in the mold of Kobe Bryant, in the mold of, of DeMar DeRozan, in the mold of Devin Booker, that class of player. But the difference is Devin Booker's tough shots are like, you practice that shit. Facts. Just Jason Tatum's pra- tough shots are like, you kind of shot yourself in the foot right there. Um, so that's what I, I feel like that. becomes mm-hmm. a little bit frustrating to watching Jason Tatum is because, you know, this isn't to say that this is the case for all of his tough shots. Like some yeah, of them yeah. are like, yeah, like you definitely practice that turnaround jumper, but it's other times it's like, oh, you dribbled yourself into kind I of like that, that, that like weird spot, kind of like almost like a, it's like kind of in the dunker spot, but like a little bit closer to the three yeah, point yeah, line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just pump fake three times and now you're just hitting the side of the backboard because it ain't shit else and you don't know how to pass out of that. Right. Uh-huh. Like that's what's frustrating about Jason Tatum to watch. And that's why like, like although his game has the aesthetic of somebody in that mode, he still doesn't quite have the um, sound plan A, plan B, plan C that he has in his bag. Mm-hmm. It's not there yet with him. Yeah, especially with Tatum, it just doesn't feel like he has grown as a player much since he um, entered the league. Like he's grown in terms of the skills he's comfortable with doing, but yeah. just as like a player, he's not. He hasn't. Just, he hasn't gotten better at the things that he wasn't good at coming in. Exactly. Like I'm still. I'm still waiting. For, and like he's gotten a little bit better. Better with the playmaking, and but it's just. I don't know. I definitely want to see a little more, and I feel like I've said this. You know, three years ago. Like um, yeah, to to your point. Like it's like okay, he wasn't that great of a playmaker. He's still not that great of a playmaker. He wasn't that great of a finisher at the rim. He's still not that great mm-hmm. of a finisher at the rim. It's like he, <clears> at a certain point. Once you build on those ancillary skills that you weren't good at, like that's when you become truly special as a player, and that's what that's what we've seen from guys. Like, I mean, was Devin Booker a playmaker when he got into the league? Mm-hmm. But they ran him at point guard for a little bit, and he learned it right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you need that from Jason Tatum if his game's gonna really reach that next level. Yeah, definitely, and I and I agree with that Atlanta thing too. I think they'll get better, but. I don't really like how many, you know, mid-range shots they take. I think this is what happens when Nate McMillan takes over a team. Like, he's more like an old-school coach. He doesn't emphasize, like, you know, threes layups. Um, and I think sometimes they get fall in love with, you know, taking long twos. Um, but, yeah, I think Atlanta will get better. Let's see. I'm going to add two more teams Okay. whenever you're done. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you want me to go? Yeah. All right. So, um, one of the things that uh, – and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, th- this falls under the umbrella. So the Portland Trailblazers, uh, they fired their GM who drafted Damian Lillard. And it was not really for, you know, him doing a bad job or anything. It was like stuff in the workplace. But um, that Again? just, yeah. Damn. Yeah. It keeps on coming up. What the hell? I know. So th- that's, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, that that should give, you know, the, the Trailblazer ownership a, l- a little bit of a push to, Really start over, especially with how they've started the season. Pretty much five hundred, eleven, and twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how? I don't know. Like, how, how do you guys feel about the Blazers? Because to me, it's the same shit every single year. Yeah, you're five hundred. Yeah. That's how it, everybody it, feels about the Blazers. If if Dame is not doing, or is Dame? If Dame is just regular Dame or or mediocre, but when when Dame is even when Dame is hot, they're still like close to five hundred. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean. I think there's two paths, really. One of them is if Ben Simmons wants 
go trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons and try to do something with that because I think they have the pieces to make a run. Is CJ McCollum as good as but we see, think? But but see, are you? We can answer that question. Uh, like, well, I, 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 how good do we think he? I think he's a like he's so skilled. Right, he's like, like footwork a, is incredible. Yeah. Ball handle, like he navigates the court for a little. Even the pick and so roll, great, he, right? Like, I don't like. I don't think he's a number one. But, but no, like you go look at just like his night to night numbers. And I know numbers aren't the end all be all, but it's like there are games where he's just like not effective, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And, and, and there are games where it's like fifteen points on forty percent shooting. It's like. What did you re- like? We kind of envisioned him to be this running mate to Damian Lillard. I'm not. He's sure a he's number that. three. He's a number three. I think he, I I, like that. to me, he's like a boosted Jordan Clarkson, which, yeah, I don't. Like, a, I don't know. I don't know what that to means me. To, to me, he's like a number. He's he's a number three. And so, but my question to you guys is like, like e- even more deeply with the whole st- shit that's happening with Dame and him maybe wanting no, like he 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 says he wants to stay, but he wants to win, right? If you blow that shit up. You're telling him you're not gonna win for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. if if you're rebuilding. So like, what do you do? Well, it's like they clearly need a change. This team has been the team for feels like ten years now, pretty yeah. much, right? So you either make a splash to win now, or you make a make a. Uh, I don't even know what sort of splash you. Yeah, can that, make, like a, like a Ben Simmons. I, I think guess it's a win now. I think Ben Simmons would be huge for them. So, so like, and, and, of course, like on the defensive end. So l- let me let me let me ask you guys and, and this: even the offensive end, just having a, having a big who yeah, can no, that's true. Handle the ball, no, that's facts. Would you, and, and not saying that there's been any reports that Jamal they're going to trade Jamal Murray, but would you try to get Jamal because that's a splashy ass move? Try and get Jamal Murray and take advantage that the Denver Nuggets are freaking thin. A bunch. PJ Dozier's out. Monte Morris is out from time to time. Jamal Murray's out. MPJ is out. Um, so what? So what would Denver get back? Uh, CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Norman Powell. I would tell you to kiss my ass if I was Denver. Yeah, no, Denver's but not like, taking. If that. you could get that, oh hell yeah, you do it. Because at least like that, I like that's just like a fun vision. Jamal Murray and Damian Lillard in a backcourt, but. I don't think that that's enough to get a guy of that caliber of talent. Like that's the thing with the Blazers. You look at like their makeup in terms of what CJ type of picks Larry they have. Nance. Like Larry Nance is cool. Larry Nance is good, but he's, it's, he's, it's like, Jamal Murray. He, he's, yeah, it's Jamal Murray. Like we're we're talking about a dude that was dropping fifty balls in the playoffs. Right? Okay, but CJ McCollum not no scrub. He's not, but it's also like. And it's not like they run in the offense through him anyway. I like, feel like Jokic is. If you if you're Put it this way. If you're the Nuggets and you do that, like, you're a worse team than you were when Jamar Murray's healthy. Yeah, I agree. But you add in, de- like, what if MPJ don't come back, bro? Like He probably won't. I mean, he might not. But, like, even then, I would, like, just in terms of what you're getting versus what you're losing, I think you're a worse team um, without Jamal Murray than you are with those three components. Because none of them... Like all of them together don't produce what Jamal Murray is producing for that team. Okay, do, so do you got do you try and get MPJ? Let's say, nah, nah, because that's too much of a gamble. To, to, if the it, price is low enough, maybe. But I think Portland just needs a different type of front court player because they've had the same type of forwards for years and years. They had Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless. Now it's Robert Covington, who I know I used to really love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, used to. Um, they have like Nurkic. They have. They had like they now have Nasir Little. They used to have Derek. You Jones need Paul Jr. George. That's what you need. Well, no, like, I'm not saying you need a star. You just need a forward who has 
ball skills and make the right play. Sort of like what Phoenix is doing, and they have Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges. You just can't have players who can't do anything with the ball. And I think they've seen a little bit of when they put Larry Nance in the game. Like, Larry Nance knows what to do with the ball, and when he's on the floor, Portland has done pretty well. They just haven't played him enough. But they need more players like that, and that's why I really want to see Ben Simmons in Portland and see what he can do with Dame because I feel like it can unlock something really good for them. But I mean, to your you know, point, if different, that, yeah, different kinds of players is what you need. Like, and it's not like they're not out there to be had. I always think of a guy like Buddy Heald. Like, how great would Buddy Heald be next to Damian Lillard? Like, you almost get somewhat of like a, a Steph Jordan pool dynamic there in terms of just an off ball guy. Would he be more than? CJ? I'd want him. Yeah, no. I'd want him to come off my bench. Honestly, uh, no. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's like an apples to apples. Like you trade CJ for Buddy Heald, but you can get like. Buddy Heald. It's just like right now they're starting three players that are six foot two. You know, like that's not that's not gonna that's work. Not it, yeah. It's not gonna work. And you have Anthony Simons who's like six foot three off the bench, who he's gonna be a part of their future. So like your four kind of cornerstones are all like six foot two, six foot three. Just trade Dame, bro. Get Dame out of that horrible situation. At a certain point, I almost wonder if the Portland Trailblazers have backed themselves up into a corner where it's like the only direction is to trade Dame, whether he wants to be there or not. Yeah, like because otherwise you're just sitting there with Dame and nothing year mm-hmm. in and year out. I don't know. I'm a, I, I think I'm a hammer of this Ben Simmons thing because like he's he's there I for mean, the yeah. taking, you know. He's there yeah. for the taking. If Ben Simmons wants to go there, obviously. obviously. Yeah. Um, but the other team I wanted to throw out is uh the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, they're sitting at 15 and six, um, top of the Eastern Conference. The report came out that they're listening to Kyrie trades. You trading Kyrie to have something rather than nothing, even if. That trade package is less than Kyrie, or are you keeping Kyrie, and waiting for COVID shit to lift and and why? I just don't think they can trade Kyrie. But if Kyrie doesn't come back this season, I don't see how they win the championship. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. like it's a so, it's a really so weird like what do you do? So it, it's so of so what like what do you do? You you train pack what, what uh, Kyrie for a package that's less than Kyrie, but it's actually more than what's Kyrie what Kyrie is giving you now. But you know well, it's you can not trade as, for anybody, and Kyrie's it's gonna give you more than what yeah. Kyrie's giving you. Now. You know what? What? Okay, the only way you can trade Kyrie because you need help is if KD is comfortable. Let's say he in is getting like. So my question then and, becomes and like, like a, what are you getting back? What do you? All right, I, I go ahead. Then. And like a team wants to have Kyrie, and I know it's like ridiculous to say, like of course every yeah. team should want Kyrie, but no, I feel you. Do teams want Kyrie? No, I like you. I think that's a, I think that's a big question mark. All right, what if what I if uh, the Raptors ran you Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher, and Matt Flynn, and like I mean, a pick? I don't care I don't about know. Matt Flynn, but give me that. I, yeah, I would take Pascal and Chris Boucher. Would you, Eddie? I would, but I just struggle to see why Toronto would want to do that. And also, like, you can't play in Canada if oh, you're shit. not vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time. You got to come on down <laughs> south, man. I'll That's give the you Dylan time. Brooks, and I'll give you... No, you don't want Kyrie, bro. Don't book Kyrie with, with Ja. Why not? No. A little two-guard? Two I love Kyrie, but no. All right, w- what if what if the Dallas Mavericks ran you uh, Maxi Kleber, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., because Joe Harris going to be out, like, two months, and uh, like a few picks. That's the type of deal that I feel like KD would say no to. Like he would look at those two pieces and say, that's not enough for me to be okay with y'all trading my homie that I came here with. You know what I mean? 
Like for him to like be but, willing to sit down with Kyrie and say, "Dog, we gotta do what we gotta do," right, it's gonna have to be enticing enough for all him. All right, all right, Katie, out of the question though. What about you for the Nets? Like I that's more. That's obviously not as good as Kyrie. Yeah, but that's more than what Kyrie. No, I, I wouldn't do. I don't it. think I would do it either. I wouldn't do it. It's not enough. Like you, you like okay. I don't know what Indiana's COVID situation is, but <clears throat> if you were to say Malcolm Brogdon. And Turner. Miles Turner. That's what you got to give me. Yeah, I'd do it. I would honestly. I would do that if I'm in a heartbeat. If, actually, um, because Malcolm Brogdon. Sorry to cut you off, yeah. and that gets me so excited because because you Malcolm, love Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon bro. bro I love Malcolm up. Brogdon because he's yes he plays the point guard position, but in name only in, in my estimation because he can play off the ball so well. He can yeah. shoot. He can drive. He can. Yeah, James Harden, go handle the rock, and you still got Patty Mills off the bro. That would go crazy. Yeah, and they they It'd be need a help. Damn good team, and now you have an answer for a guy like Embiid, mm-hmm. right? Like that would be that would go crazy. If, if 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 Indiana came calling and said we can send this in right now, we might have to sit down with Kevin and have a conversation. But like, why does Indiana want Kyrie Irving though? Well, Indiana does need to do something different. They I think know, everyone agrees number with one, that. they need to blow it. They they need to trade Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Number two, they need to find a different direction. Number three, they need to change, like you said. Just, and, and number four, um, with they never get any big time names, any yeah. free agents. But it's so like, it's is, like, are you mortgaging that for Kyrie Irving? Now, like here's th- what I will that's say. That's just a big question for like, me. I'm like, scared that Kyrie going to retire on my ass the second because <laughs> Kyrie so, don't want to play in Indiana. But that's me? what I'm saying. Like, what team could feasibly want Kyrie Irving as talented as he is like who like who would really want Kyrie Irving right now like maybe the Clippers I mean if California's COVID situation is different but like that's that's pretty much it right like shit don't put that in the universe bro I'd be scared man I'd be scared (laughs) it's all it's all good because come games end you still have Kyrie or Kawhi bumping dudes down in the mid-range exactly Kyrie just sitting there stand in the corner crazy though would Kawhi defer to Kyrie Hell yeah, he would. Uh, you, you'd hope if LeBron could find it within himself to defer Hell to Kyrie, yeah, you'd hope Kawhi would be able to, but I don't know. Honestly, what if they traded Kawhi for Kyrie? Get out. Get out. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I just want to give Get out. I just want to give one final team on what you guys think. Uh Minnesota's 11-11-500, are they a 500 team? Yes. And so? I mean 500 in the sense like they're going to come out some nights and look like a fucking 50 win team and they're going to come out other nights and they're going to look like garbage but at and the end of the, the day league. do they make the playoffs the top saying. end of the play-in or the six yeah. seed something like that uh, no no i don't think so is that where that puts them yeah well they're number eight right now no so i would you got, say that you they're got the probably Sun- more of a nine ten team yeah you got the suns warriors jazz mavs grizzlies lakers clippers they're not better than any of those teams i think they're a, they're a bottom end a play-in team that ultimately But you think make they that. make the play-in? Yeah. As, like, not, like, a trash playing team, but, like, as a sort of 500-ish team? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that's... they're, like, a little bit below 500, but they make the mm-hmm. play-in, and they probably lose. So, basically, you don't think they're going to bottom out and do Minnesota things like no. they do every year? No. I mean, not they, they have a different sort of energy about them, and I think that has entirely to do with Anthony Edwards and the sort of energy he just brings um, to the franchise. He's definitely a revitalizing presence. And then, not to mention, D'Lo's been playing pretty well as of late. Um, And, yeah, uh, another important thing to note when it comes to that team, and I know we make a lot of jokes about him, but Patrick Beverly, like, he he not only – I was listening to – I forget who it was. I I think it was – it might have been Kenny Kenny Beecham. Mm -hmm. Um, He was talking about how having – 
like one or two people who are going to defend their asses off changes the entire energy of a team defensively. Because even if you just have two dudes out doing it, if you have the other three dudes looking at two dudes busting their ass, it's not like they're not going to be inclined to rotate where they need to be mm-hmm. if they see Patrick Beverly and who's the other dude? I a Kogi. Not a Kogi. It, it's um Vanderbilt. Yes, Jerry Vanderbilt busting his ass defensively. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns, and of course, D'Lo, and of course, Anthony Edwards are going to rotate where they need to be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, in terms of a culture shift, Anthony Edwards and Patrick Beverly have impacted that Minnesota team enough to where they won't, like you said, bottom out and, and stop caring. Because I think that's ultimately what you've seen in Minnesota in years past. Is yeah. They just stop caring. I agree. I, I also wanted to bring up Eddie's favorite squad in, in the east the wizards uh, the wizards um so because they are in, in the number three spot obviously they've tailed off from number one just because you know you gonna, know bradley beal is shooting 26 percent from three right now damn. and like 45 percent from the field that'll 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 that's what i'm saying like they, damn i just traded so so because because it looks like you know, with the Bucks struggling the heat and being an older team so they're not going to try super uberly hard in the in the regular season, so after those five, it's like a whole bunch of teams that are just like washes. So it looks like they're gonna stay a, a little bit up there. So would you make a move to like almost solidify that spot and to give you a little bit more of a punch? Like let's say I think they're solidified, but to help you even more in the playoffs to make an even stronger playoff push. What type of move? Like getting Buddy healed. Sure, if you're Probably not, would if have you're, to give up that much. That's why if you, you if give you up Thomas Bryant and like another one of their freaking wings, Denny Avdia. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I mean, not I, I like Denny, but maybe like Rui. Rui. Or something. I don't, yeah, Denny don't put the ball in the basket. That's my oh, that's my biggest hangout with him. He don't score the ball. Like he's good. He's a good connector piece. But like, mm-hmm. he, but you gotta put like, the would ball you trade for Buddy? If you're not mortgaging your future, then yeah, sure. But I mean, this is what I was talking about with Washington, though. It's like. Even though their top players, Dinwiddie and Beal, are not even playing all that well so far, they just have so many offensively skilled pieces. That shit doesn't that can, work out in the playoffs. That can to play together in the playoffs. That shit like don't work play, out. Like, say they even hold up at like the four spot, they'll that win sh- one game. That shit don't work out. Yeah, against whoever they play. Like, okay, the the Bulls, the Nets, and the Bucks are probably gonna get over them. If they get, that would put them at the four spot. They would play against the Miami Heat. If the Heat get the four spot and they get the five spot, they would still play the Miami Heat. They are killing them, bro. They are murdering them. You're probably right. <laughs> You're, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know about, I'm right. I don't know about, but I'm just like, I mean, we can't. Are we really gonna, like, are we really gonna rephrase, you know, our expectations of Washington from the beginning of the year? I mean, it's like, fair. They're, like, they're I, like, I, I you thought they were flowers. For I thought they calling. were, you know, regular season team. I said one and done. I said they were C tier. I mean, they've outperformed that. I'm honestly surprised because I thought, if anything, it'd be Beal and Dinwiddie carrying the offense. But it's like Kyle Kuzma oh and Mantra. It does Mantra's not bro. last, bro. Kyle Kuzma averaged 20. Yeah, that's fine. In his second because, year with the by Lakers. By the time he tails off, Spencer horrible. Dinwiddie's going to get hot and Bradley Beal's going to get hot. Horrible. You see the way so they talk bad. about the former Lakers, bro? You see yeah, how, bro, that see, shit pisses see, me yeah, off. You, you, see, you see how Kuzma all you of a sudden. How, you see how great KCP is. You see like, how Alex Caruso all of a sudden, like, people done forgot, like, how. That was our fault, though. People I mean, talked about Caruso, like, that was our not fault. where like this. he is now. Not like this. Like, people think Alex Caruso is, like. Borderline all-star. Like, all NBA defense. 
first team, like they, like if you ended the season right now, nah, that, probably that, be first that, team that, that one that one was our fault though. I mean, if you because ask me, losing Caruso was the biggest mistake that, the Lakers. Yeah, made I mean, I, and I said it in the freaking group chat when we fucking lost him. So stupid, bro. I don't care if the tax. What what is it? The tax you got to pay. What's it called? Luxury tax. If the luxury tax is forty, it's gonna end up being forty five million dollars for Caruso. I don't give a damn. Just act like that forty five million dollars. You're paying it to LeBron. Just act like that. <laughs> like just God damn it, bro. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. That I was say, our fault. I will say I was wrong one thing though. Right now the Wizards are twentieth in offense and I thought they'd be a top five team. So I So will, they're winning on defense? I guess. Yeah, they're number ten in defense. So, so but, but, I'm gonna be Eddie for a second. So imagine when they get to number five or top five, top ten in offense. Imagine when they They're um, they're gonna get there. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. They're gonna get there. I wanted to do another performative pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. <laughs> Hey, the way they talk about Julius Randle, bro. The way they talk about Brandon Ingram, Brandon. Oh, maybe nah, not, really not, not so much anymore. Right Lonzo, Lonzo, bro. Hey, but Lonzo's legitimately he's gotten better. Yeah, he's yeah, legitimately yeah. gotten better. Uh, Thomas Bryant, Josh when, Hart. When he's when he's good out there. People talk about Josh Hart. They should. He's playing pretty well. Uh, Larry Nance. Larry Nance. Jordan Clarkson. A, Jordan Clarkson. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Lakers had a man. We. <laughs> We kept everybody, bro. No, we'd have traded. We wouldn't have won. We wouldn't have won. Yeah, we wouldn't have won. That's crazy. How many like solid, solid players have really run through? Solid to like borderline all star players have run through the Lakers. Like we really out here producing the Mm -hmm. NBA's best, man. We're we're producing championships. Yeah, because y'all y'all trading it for a one season of a win now yeah. player that's gonna get you know okay. hurt every year or whatever. Okay, that's fine. And Russell Westbrook. That's too, fine. I guess at the end of the well, day, that the one's chip horrible. Was worth it. That's true. Yeah, that's why. I won't, it's worth I won't, it. I won't, I won't deny that. One year of a chip and ten horrible and nine horrible years <laughs> is better than hey. ten years of getting to the conference finals. Hey. Just wait till the Grizzlies win this championship, man. It's coming. I'm telling y'all, Zion to Memphis. I be- oh, I don't so much believe that. That but- South Carolina connection. That good food. Zion's a low key dude. Zion don't want to be no superstar right now. He said, "So what? So what's up with all those New York, New York rumors?" That's and- just everybody else. M- MSG is my favorite place to play. That's what he said. That's a fun place to play. It's a I high mean, he, he he was like giddy when he was talking about yeah. Madison Square Garden. Okay, get to play there twice a year. Whatever. Just come to <laughs> just, just come to Crypto.com Arena. Fuck get that. your crypto. You don't want that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Man. bro. All right, I Have think they started calling it that. No, it like begins on Christmas. On yeah, on Christmas. Yeah, because Fuck they wanted guys, to make bro. a big announcement. Jesus, Christ. at least call it Crypto Center, not Crypto.com. Yeah, any Arena. any dot whatever. People are gonna in call it name. the Crip. It don't matter, bro. They're gonna call it the Crip. People are still gonna call it State. Although I, I hate State. Westbrook, and no, I don't hate him as a person. I just hate his game. He has been doing well recently, like better than. That's uh, what I, bro. People stay doing this shit with the Lakers, bro. They'll be like. Oh, Bron put up 25, 8, and 11. Oh, AD put up 30, 12, and 6. Westbrook put up, you know, 20, 10, and 11. We won. We win by, like, one point. Literally, against the Pistons. Against the Pistons. That's horrible. Like, like, I don't care if all three of them had triple doubles. We're not good. We're not good. We're not good. No, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Like, ain't no point in counting numbers if the team doesn't play well. Like, no, nah, but silly. Westbrook has has been improving, and it hasn't been do- like that's my biggest takeaway is like even when he's when all three of them play well, it still doesn't make the Lakers good. So what makes the Lakers good? He hasn't been playing well while all three have been 
while all three have been available though. I I, I will give them that. It's like, but no, it's horrible. No, it's horrible. No, I know it's horrible. Championship Lakers off fuck, pure talent. Fuck out of here. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. And you can't. And people are trying to blame Frank Vogel. I fucking oh yeah, that's that. crazy. Oh, he's to gonna me. be out of there, and like, they're gonna hire David Fisdale, and we're gonna look damn near worse. Yeah, but because you're you're pl- oh, that's what I wanted to say. If they go in that direction and hire Frank Vogel. We and you know you, you, mean you, you or uh, yeah I'm sorry and don't uh, uh um I, I know you didn't believe that they were winning the championship anyways and you probably don't believe they're winning the championship no. anyways um and it's not so much that I do but I thought they're gonna get to the final they're for sure gonna end up like being a 500 team or even worse and just be a first round exit because you're just placing the blame on someone who doesn't deserve it yeah I don't understand it's it like, at all it's fucking horrible like it's two horrible. years ago he he wasn't. He was coaching a master class playoffs. But we know how this story goes with the Lakers, right? It's gonna start with the coach and as soon as it's going or like as soon as the coach isn't like it's really all all LeBron teams, but but like what's gonna end up happening is it's gonna come a time where people are ready to start poking at the roster a little bit in some ways that are like pretty substantial. And you're not gonna be able to trade Westbrook for much. You can't no, you can't trade anybody. Uh, The only tradable piece is THT and I would trade AD too, That's but they're not going to trade him. I guarantee it right now. I I'll, no I put my word to it right now that we are headed down a track in which the Lakers trade Anthony Davis within the next three seasons. We should have traded him, bro. Do you agree with me now? And Eddie? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, bro. Like, no, it's not. I say I see that shit from the past. I mean, bro. your foresight might be twenty twenty. I'm just saying, like at the time, ain't no way you could have convinced me. Eddie, to- is it still crazy? Like Reagan said. Trading for Damian Lillard. High size twenty twenty. No, I guess no, I guess not. But like now, of course we can say that. What do you mean now? I said it in the past. I know you said that, but it's like it's no way you could have expected other people to agree with you. Just like you couldn't have expected other people. Because AD's fucking. Oh, he's not trash, but he's trash, bro. It's like he's the so perfect, brittle. That's the perfect exemplification of AD the way he's been playing right now. If he's you, not trash, if but for he's everybody trash. getting on Westbrook, and yes, I I hate his game. AD shooting like seventeen percent from three. AD is a worse jump shooter than Russell Westbrook right now. Than That's everybody. Fact. Than That's everybody fact. in the NBA. That's to like how no, crazy is that shit to It's take? true. Anthony Davis is a worse it's jump true. shooter than like, Russell Westbrook right statistically. now. Statistically, and he's a jump shooting player now because he doesn't like to go in the play, play paint, bro. You don't do that, bro. Bron got to slap him across the face. Seven foot, 240 pound shooting guard, bro. Okay. Just Chris Stapps Porzingis at that point. or Without the three. I, yeah, not <laughs> even the three. All right. I, I think, just hope he turns it around, bro. I, I don't know. The Lakers will turn it around. It's just to what level can they be, you know, good enough? Um, can... Can the three star players like coexist to a point that makes them a championship team? Well, I, think, I, 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 I got to see Westbrook playing well when all three are available. That's what I have to see. He can't. No, he, you know, he, he's been playing okay. He's but been like, playing okay. Not, not like, there, there's, there's a like, can he play well while the other? It's a ceiling. Two play like, well in the team, but it, it's because well. it's gonna take like more than half of the season to experiment with the lineups. Like you but have to play him without. The line, like, the difference is with. Here are your options. When when Anthony Davis gets the ball, they're going to double off Russ. Russ has to become a better off-ball cutter, and Anthony Davis has to learn how to pass out of a fucking double team because I haven't seen him do it all it's year. Horrible. And if neither of those things happen, then what are you left with? The LeBron show featuring Russell Westbrook and Anthony <laughs> Davis. And you get a 
Anthony Davis, LeBron pick and roll. What the hell is Russell Westbrook doing? Dunker spot, maybe. Like it, it's it, it just doesn't make sense on paper, and I don't know how you make it work in reality. I mean, that's eventually me. they'll play Russ at the five and not DeAndre Jordan. No, they, they've stopped. They've stopped like recently playing. Have they playing? Oh, him. Yeah. I still. Oh, I just saw the argument he had with Frank Vogel. So I thought he was still like in the. Yo, he had an argument with Frank Vogel. Yeah, it was yelling. At each they were like yelling at each other on the bench or whatever. Frank Vogel. Was DeAndre like, Jordan. Yeah. You have nothing to scream about. You're fucking horrible. <laughs> You're horrible. That's that's why I was like, oh. has it? That's what Frank Vogel actually said to DeAndre Jordan. You're horrible. To which DeAndre Jordan replied to Frank Vogel, "You also suck." That's my joke. <laughs> all, right. all right, is that all for this episode? Yeah, you gotta get cut. You gotta get cut. All right, that'll do for this episode of Hoopin Holler. Thanks so much to everyone who tuned in. We're always glad for your audience ship. It's not a word. Um, but we'll catch you on the next episode. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.